This podcast has been brought to you by Close Brothers Asset Management. We've created this podcast to set out possible approaches. Please do not view it as financial advice or its content as investment recommendations. Just because an investment or investment strategy has performed well in the past does not mean it will continue to do so. Our predictions are based on information that is currently available. However, events and markets can and do change rapidly. Hello and welcome to the monthly podcast. I'm Tom Santralaya and I'm joined today by Robert Ulster and Isabel Albaran. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Well, look, I don't know about you guys, but it certainly feels to me like time is absolutely flying at the moment. Uh, I can't believe that we're here, but we're at that time again in the year where we're going to be hearing people around the city saying that old expression, sell in May and go away. Uh, Robert, surely we're going to hear that a lot, but it's not that simple, is it? No, I mean, it's an expression that's been used in the city for many decades. And the idea is, is that all the action occurs up to the sort of spring summer break and everybody goes on holiday and comes back and September is marked by St. Leisure's Day, a famous horse race. And then everybody turns to their desks and the action starts again. So in that period, because there's not much trading, the sort of market falls away and tends to decline. That's the theory. Um, if you actually look at the data, though, the last 60 years, and I went and looked at the, um, the US stock market in the last 60 years, it's been very mixed. In fact, June, okay. July have actually been positive in really? the sort of May to September run. So it's not that clear at all. Um, but it's a nice saying. And <laughs> the other thing that's changed over, over that sort of time period since the saying first emanated is introduction of quarterly reporting. Mm. And also you've got to remember the market at the moment is very much macro-driven market. And the Fed, the Bank of England and the ECB, yeah, they may go on holiday, but they're also <laughs> setting interest rates during that. And then you add in a sprinkling of geopolitical events. And really, I'm afraid we're all still working regardless. No time off then. Always something just around always, the corner. Always something around the corner, I think. Yeah. It's a good adage, yeah. What about you then, Isabel? What are you seeing on the uh, the data side of things? Yeah, well, as Robert said, there's always something going on in the macro landscape. Um, this week, something we've had is some business surveys called Purchasing Manager Indicator Surveys. Um, so just to, we talk about these an awful lot. We do. So yeah. maybe it's a good time to kind of just dive into a bit more detail about what they actually are. Absolutely. So these are... Is, a suite of business surveys covering the global economy and they're, ask, they're asking business leaders you know what conditions are on the ground in businesses um, and if it's above the number 50 then that generally ind indicates business conditions are improving and if it's below 50 business conditions are deteriorating um, so you know, one of the reasons we like these is it's a forward-looking indicator. You know, one of the problems we have with economic data is that it tells us what happened in the past, and mm. sometimes there's quite a big lag with actually getting that data. So that's why these are really useful. And, you know, the picture this time, it was one of positivity. So we've had um, uh, improvement in the overall levels, and that's really mostly driven by the improvement we're seeing in the services sector. Mm -hmm. The manufacturing sector is actually lagging a bit behind, and I think that's for two reasons. One is a bit optical, and that relates to the fact um, 
that we had so much tightness in the goods supply chain that, you know, the fact that shipments are coming through a bit quicker, that's actually is probably helpful, but it sort of shows up in the survey as a cooling of demand. And okay. um, the other one is an actual cooling of demand. You know, we have seen slightly weaker new orders. So a bit of a tale of two halves there. And, and how does that play out in, say, the UK economy where we're quite a service-based uh, economy itself? Um, we've got the positive service mm. data, but generally speaking, am I right in thinking manufacturing tends to lead service? Overall, in the global economy, that tends to be the case. I mean, in the UK economy, it, as you say, it is very services dominated. And in a way, given that we've got this tight labour market... Um, in the UK and services, you know, tends to be very sort of labour intensive. Well, we've got a bit too much of a good thing uh, right. <laughs> at the moment, um, you know, especially thinking about the inflation backdrop um, and the fact that, you know, the Bank of England for a while now have been concerned about that tightness in the labour market and its impact on wages. Just on that, what about the um, feed through from the higher interest rate rises that we've seen, what, 12 months now? Um, everyone's expecting at some point for the real economy yeah. to slow, but I'm not seeing much evidence of that. I think that's a really good point. I think we're certainly seeing it in some areas. So, for example, if we think about the housing market, oh, yes, okay. you know, we've yeah. seen surveys yeah. mm -hmm. certainly weaker. There has certainly been a drop off in the housing activity. Yeah. But you're completely right. I think um, we would perhaps have expected to see a bit more, more of a response yeah. from the labour market than we have. Yeah. yeah. And how, how often do we get this data? How often is it sort of updated that we can look for the next? Oh, sorry, which data? The PMI. PMIs. PMIs come out every month. Uh, so that's another reason why they're really timely. Great. And then elsewhere in the world, we obviously had uh, Chinese GDP that had a bit of a jump. How significant is that? So I think that's um, things are certainly on track. Um, we're really sort of uh, we, we'd expected to see this big recovery in Chinese economic data once social restrictions were eased. And the Q1 um, GDP print suggests that's really well underway. Um, mm. As you'd expect, it's been the services side and retail sales that have been leading the strength. And the um, industrial production side of the economy hasn't been so strong. We've also had a Politburo meeting in China this week where leaders sort of send a message to uh, about what the plan is for the economy. Um, I think two things really came out of that. One was... Um, still sort of supporting the economy with monetary and fiscal policy, mm -hmm. but also reiterating this idea that housing is for living in, not as an investment. Right. So that is something that might cause people to uh, not have as much optimism about the housing market recovery because um, Chinese policymakers for a long time, they've been quite concerned about a housing bubble in China. Mm. So we could still see policies designed to sort of keep it a little bit cooler. Mm. Okay. And, just, and has, has it fed through to the markets at well, all? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, not only, you know, China, second largest economy in the world, so direct effects, but also, you know, if you're a European investor you're acutely aware that the German luxury car industry exports, you know, large amounts to China. It's a key, key market. Yeah, absolutely. And also luxury goods. And, of course, France is a global leader in luxury goods, you know, Louis Vuitton, etc. And Chinese consumers, especially those who travel, are the largest sort of category, single category, of purchases of those goods. So it has a huge effect on the European economy. 
Um, it's interesting, actually, if you think of Germany. So they're exporting to China, mm. and yet their energy comes from Russia. So it's quite a, an interesting mix um, for what is normally assumed a sort of stable and large economy. But that's a sort of, I guess, a German economic policy issue they have to deal with over yeah. the next decades. Okay, well, that's positive to see in the data. Uh, a slightly more surprising data point that came out closer to home, the UK inflation number. Uh, mid-March, it was higher than many people might have anticipated. What were you expecting from this? Did this cause you any sort of a concern? Um, I don't think it is a huge concern, and here's why. So um, we, it was 10.1%. Mm. I think we'd expected it would fall a little mm. bit more. Um, a large part of that strength was because of food prices. We've had poor harvest. Do you remember last time we were talking about cucumbers? Yes. So <laughs> it's that same issue. Um, food prices are stronger. Looking at futures prices, I think we're expecting food pricing to come down. And sort of for the year as a whole, you know, that expectation that inflation is going to be coming down towards 3%, that I think is still intact. So if you think about the energy component, Next month, we're going to get a really big leg down just because energy prices went up so much last year, and that's going to come out of the um, come out of the calculation. So, you know, overall, I think the inflation picture hasn't really changed. The if there is an area of concern, it's going to be much more around that wage growth and the labour market thing. That, that so we're, yeah. we're somewhat on a precipice of the of the anniversary effect taking into a, into effect. Exactly, is that right? Do you agree, Robert? Is that, are you seeing anything different or any no, other? No, no, I'm expecting um, um, companies that we go and meet and research the managements to come back and say, yeah, we're now seeing, the, you know, we're past the peak of inflation mm. and moving on through that. Um, you know, natural gas prices down 50% year to date, for example. Yeah. So how's that feeding through into investment decision making? We, we had our quarterly um, debate recently, asset allocation, what was the output from that, Robert? Yeah, I mean, the output was that, you know, we're neutral across the major asset classes, shares, uh, bonds, fixed income and alternatives. And, I mean, it sounds a bit boring to say neutral <laughs> and again neutral. I guess one point is that the dispersion of the replies was slightly wider mm -hmm. than before. But also I think it's the uncertainty. You know, we've seen a good rally in equities. People are aware that the interest rate effects are going to feed through to the real economy. Um, so, yeah, having a sort of diversified across region, sector and asset class, I think is the right place to be. And that's how that's how we all voted. Okay. So uh, not a surprise there. It'd be more interesting, I guess, when we next meet to see, um, you know, how the asset allocation moves through the year. So very much and, staying and the course. And also, I'd add actually one other thing. Um, below the sort of headline level, there is quite a debate, you know, for example, which sectors in equities to hold, which types of bonds to hold. So that debate still goes on, really. It's at that level. Right. OK, well, we'll, we'll keep watching that uh, with great interest. Um, it's my turn this month to give a stat. Now, I'm going to go slightly off piece and do something different. I haven't got a sort of knock your socks off style stat. I've got a very straightforward stat and i'm going to give you the number right and see if you can guess what it is okay, okay. robert you're looking concerned okay. yeah <laughs> so here comes the number yeah. say the first thing that comes into your mind okay 1.7 so the only thing i can think of is 1.7 is the ratio of unemployed people to job openings oh you've nailed it <laughs> 
Well done. Very good. Well done. So, yes. That's quite sad, isn't it? I, I'm, well I'm disappointed and impressed in equal measure, if I'm honest. Yeah, so in the US job market, yeah. there is currently 1.7 jobs for every available worker that is seeking one. Um, why is this important? Of course, uh, when you've got more jobs than workers, that puts the balance of power for wage negotiation uh, very much in with the, the employee, which feeds through to higher costs for the businesses, which gets passed on into higher prices. Yeah. So if that's at, that's at 1.7 at the moment, the good news is that's been dropping. It was, uh, it was two about uh, a month or so ago. So uh, moving in the right direction at least. So lots to keep our eyes on. Uh, it's not going to be a quiet summer necessarily. We'll keep going. And uh, as always, thank you so much for your time and I look forward to speaking to you next month. Thank you. Thank you.